Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. And we are the Bora podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsworth Football Club. But today... We've got a guest with us, um, and this man probably doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway, and he's played over 600 games um, in English football with Oxford, Sunderland, Stoke, Borough, and Huddersfield. Um, he's been described by his colleagues as the utmost professional, um, a leader on and off the pitch, and it's no surprise that he has started his career um, in the coaching. Now, it's, of course, Dean Whitehead. Dean, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so, Dean, I'm just going to start right at the beginning of your career really and we'll move our way through your career um, but I want to start off where you at, right at the beginning um, Abingdon Town in the non-league you've moved your way up the ranks was football always part of your life growing up was it something that you always wanted to be a footballer or is it something that you relatively fell into um, no I think I think I always did want to be um, you know like any any little boy's dream um, is always to to play football and, and that, that was mine and mine started at Abingdon Boys um, which is just a local team for, for me I could just walk across you know, to the grass pitches and, and go and play football where you know nothing nothing mattered nobody nobody cared and you just went out and enjoyed it and uh, you know just continued from there really from under under sevens eights nines tens can't remember when I first got picked up by uh opposite to go into their centre of excellence. Um, at that point, I had to stop playing for, you know, for my local team and my local county, uh, which I was, which I was in as well, which was a Vale of the White Horse. But once, once that had started to, I couldn't do that. Then you know things were getting, a, you know, a little bit more serious and um, building my way to, to try and earn a, a YTS, which it was, which it was then. It's obviously scholarships now, but. Um, yeah, and I got selected as one of the three, one of the three in our group. Only three of us got selected, and uh, 
you know, managed to managed to do that, and then uh, managed to sign a pro contract when I was when I was seventeen. Yeah, and it, and it was it was a long career as well. But in terms of making it pro, did you have any role models when you when you were growing up and going through like this the the YES or this, like the scholarships? Um, and have they give you any piece of advice that has stuck with you throughout the six hundred games that you've played? No, I, I don't think so. I just think um, you know it comes from comes from your family, your background, um, you know, working class uh, family where you know you work as hard as you can. Um, as often as you can, um, and that's that. That's basically it, really. Every time I went into a into a training session or into a game, you know, I just used to work as hard as I can, give my all. And if 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 that was wasn't enough, then you know it wasn't enough. But I could come off the pitch knowing that I'd, I'd given everything. Yeah, well, all that hard work really helps you get your first move from from Oxford to to Sunderland, and it's a big move probably for you. You know, obviously Oxford is. I dare say I consider a smaller club to what Sunderland may be and obviously the stadium are like with people's fallen the fans are, dare I say in Sunderland are very very passionate if you've obviously if you've seen the documentary you can really see why but um, how did you how did the move to Sunderland come about and how did you adjust to moving to Wearside because of course it's, it's it's a big move for you yeah it was um, it was a big move for me at the time I think the year the year leading up to when I moved to Sunderland, you know, I decided that that I was going to see my contract out. You know, I knew there'd be a tribunal fee involved. Um, didn't know how much, but you know, I decided to take that chance. Yes, I know it, it might be risky with with injuries and you know other things that that can happen. But um, I got offered a really really good contract by Oxford at, at the end of that season, um, and I could have stayed. I could have sat in my comfort zone. I could have been at home. Could have had everything that. You know, comes easy to you, um, but I didn't want that. That wasn't what I, what I wanted. I wanted to go and challenge myself um, to see if see what how far I could go, what I could handle, what I couldn't. Um, you know, so it was a it was a real big jump for me coming out right out of my comfort zone, opposite end of the country, um, and you know, it was it was it was tough up there to start with, really really tough. Um, but I think once I once I'd set up myself in the team, probably September time, um, you know, I didn't didn't really look back from there on. How come how come you found it so tough when you when you moved up? Well, I think if anybody knows me personally, knows my character, I'm I'm not the most outgoing. Um, I'm not the I don't give much away. Um, I'm just a I suppose at that time I was naive, shy, however you want, however you want to call it. Um, didn't really fit into the group straight away because I was um, I was that that character that didn't um, didn't really approach people too much. Um, and we had other players that come in at the same time. It would have been Liam Lawrence and a couple of others at the same time. They were completely opposite to me, and they integrated themselves into the group really, really quickly. So I had the challenge of. Um, Almost earning earning a bit more respect on the pitch to you know to try and integrate myself into the group and you know I I done that probably from September October November you know started to really um, show you know what I was about on the pitch and, and and gain that little respect to help me you know work my way into the group a little bit. Yeah, well, 
when you once you work your way in, it it was a very successful time at Sunderland. It was a bit of a roller coaster, if I'm brutally honest. You had like the promotions, the relegations. You were captain at points, and you obviously you scored as well for, uh, a few goals for them as well. But the fans ultimately loved you in the end. And I've got a, a few Sunderland fans, and every time when I said that you come on the podcast, they couldn't be more. Ha- oh, I couldn't have said. I couldn't have said anything happier. To be honest, um, happier or nicer things to say about you. This just said how professional you were. And you might not be like the, the sexiest football in the world in terms of being on the score sheet every week, but that w- working hard and winning the second balls and putting everything on the pitch really related to them as a fan. Um, but how would you, you sum up your time at Sunderland? Was, would you say it was a success? Um, well, we won two, we won two championship titles. Um, yeah, you did? Yes, we got relegated in, in the first season, but the second season we stayed up. Um, yeah, it was, I'd say it was successful. You know, as a young player trying to develop, trying to find his way in, in the game, in the league, um, to, to step into a big club like that, um, you know, with huge expectations, huge fan base, huge pressure um, in that particular league. We, we were expected to win every single game. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really difficult in that, in that league to do that. But, you know, we found a group of players and a manager that, that got the best out of us um, at that particular time in Mitt McCarthy. But, um, personally, you know, I think I think it, you know, it was quite successful, but you know, it ended it ended a little bit um, a bit sour for me, really. Yeah, it it did. Um, obviously, I went out from from the reading side of things. Some of the fans weren't particularly happy on how you left and, and moved on to Stoke. But just in terms, of we we move before you move on the the Stoke move. I just want to ask you a, a question around Mick McCarthy and. Uh, Ramick McCarthy and Roy Keane because they were the two managers that you, you mainly had at Sunderland. Um, what was the culture like under Mick McCarthy and, and Roy Keane? Could you see the, the massive difference because Mick McCarthy's a, a massive legend in, in management. Now you can see why he's doing so well at Cardiff at the minute. Roy Keane's known to be like, obviously when you see him as like a pundit, like quite strict and straight up. Could you see the culture changes like when, when both managers came in? Um, I think, I think, um, you know, when they first first moved into moved up to Sunderland, and, and Mick McCarthy was, you know, obviously the manager, and you know, I think he, I think his main one of his main strengths are, you know, yeah, of course, setting up a setting up a team, setting a you know a, a game plan to to work by. But I think just my management skills in terms of just being honest with players, whether you're playing or whether you're not, um, you know, straight down the line, there's no messing around. It's this is what it is. And, you know, players can understand that. Yeah, they might not like it, but they can understand it if, if it's as straight and as dead simple as that. Um, then, you know, players, yes, it's disappointing sometimes, but you can accept it when it's, you know, when it's, it's straight straight in the, down the line like like he is. Um, and obviously Roy Keane was, you know, slightly different. Like like every coach, every manager has their own, own ways of working. Um own ideas. Um, Roy was a bit more. Um, he was a bit more of a watcher of, of training rather than than taking it. Whereas Mick was uh, very very hands on. Um, but you know, obviously Roy Keane had the, the, the big aura that surrounds him. Um, you know, standards that are through the roof. Um, and he expected us to have those. Yes, we tried. Uh, we tried our best to get to the standards that you know he expects. But you know his standards are, you know, are, are ridiculous heights. But, you know, yeah. 
he built a team and ultimately he had a you know a, a successful time winning the title and you know keeping the club in in, in the Premier League. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about Roy Keane because you can probably tell that he's 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 being managed by Sir Alex Ferguson and that standards that he has. I think I was reading Sir Alex's book and he just said like the essentially as soon as you come in it's it's if you're not if you're not at it, you're pretty much out the door. Um so it, it's interesting that he's actually followed suit with, with Sir Alex Ferguson, but it's t- it was successful in the end, I guess. And but that that time for you at Sunderland obviously did come to an end and you got your move to to Stoke. Um and ultimately Dean it was a good move for you to be honest. You know, you you end up obviously leaving Sunderland, you start playing in European football. It was comfortable uh comfortable finishes in the in the Premier League under Tony Pulis. Um obviously Tony Pulis has been a Millsborough manager before um and his time at at the Riverside probably wasn't as sweet as what fans really wanted it to be, um, mainly around the style of play. Um, do you think a lot of fans are too critical on Tony Pulis? And how did you find working under him? Because he, was he a good manager to work for? Or, or do, you think he gets, do you think he gets a bit too much stick from the fans? I, I, I think you've only got to look at his record, um, um, how successful he's been at, at top clubs, you know, in the Premier League, in the Championship. Um, so every manager has is, is their own style, their own philosophy, their own way they want to do things, um, how they coach, um, you know, how they manage people off the pitch. And, you know, he has his. And people can criticise, you know, in terms of everybody looks at Pep Guardiola, how he plays and how his teams play. And, and other managers don't do that way. If you look at Sam Allardyce, he, he does it a different way and, and he's successful. Um, he ended up obviously in the England job for you know, for about five minutes, but still, still got, <laughs> yeah, the, um, <laughs> still got that opportunity, even even though he was that type of manager. And um, I don't think you can, can argue with his record that, um, that he had at Stoke in particular. Um, in Europe, got to Europe, European quarterfinals, FA Cup final, very, very comfortable mid-table to above finishes in the Premier League. Um, so I don't, I, I don't see how people can can give him stick for, you know, for being successful. Yeah, well, that's it. I think, I think fans <clears throat> see it from a completely different perspective to what a player does. So in, in terms of when you were playing for him, was it was it completely different? Is it as hard working as it made out? I know, I remember Adam Clayton saying in one, in one of his, uh, in, in the pre-season for Millsborough, saying it was the hardest pre-season he's ever had. Would, would you say that Tony Pulis pre-seasons are disgustingly hard? Yeah, they, yeah, they're pretty brutal. To be fair, um, <laughs> you know, we we used to go to we used to go to Austria. Um, we used to get up at six 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 thirty in the morning. We used to go on either where you have a running, uh, you were on the bike, um, yeah, either running or on the bike. Uh, no footballs included. Uh, just, uh, just... Well, no, zero, <laughs> zero footballs around. I, we're not here to play football at this point. Um, yeah, and there's big long hills, big long tracks to to go and run up and down. And um, yeah, they they are very very tough. To be fair, um, and then you come back, um, get in the gym, have some food, and and then in the afternoon try and kick some football around when you can't feel your legs. So it's. Uh, no, it's, it was tough, tough, but you know that's what gives you the, the the solid base to you know to build a season from, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously after that successful time, you, you've went on and moved to Middlesbrough um, when you kind of run out. Tom, do you want to take Dean through uh, his, his Middlesbrough career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he signed for, for Borough in 2013. Uh, free transfer after four years at Stoke City. Um, when was it you first became aware of Borough's interest in you? Um, and also kind of what attracted you to, to join for the club? Um, probably when I was, probably I think I was on holiday in Portugal at the time. Um, I played the last game of the season at Southampton, uh, against Southampton for Stoke and I kind of picked up a little injury in my you know, Celeus was just above your Achilles and below your calf, and and I had to give that. I had to give it a bit of rest, and, and normally through through I normally give myself a couple of weeks break and then and kind of get back at it. But I didn't. I had to. I had to give it you know plenty of time to heal. And but we also knew that you know I had to try and find a club and make sure I was fit. So yeah, I got the call when I was probably in in Portugal, and I had a couple of other options at the same time in in the same league. Um, but yeah, I, I was attracted because of, at the time, Tony Mowbray's style of play, the club, the size of the club, um, you know, the history of the club that, you know, should be should be in the top league, um, and yeah, and of course I could I could commute some days and you know stay up there as well, um, which uh, when I was I think I was thirty at the time was was important to me. I'll come on to um, Tony Mowbray's style of play uh, again in uh, in a little bit. You've joined a, a squad that was mixed in terms of experience. Um, you joined the same same window as Dimmy, uh, Albert Adorma, Fraser Richardson, Kai Kamara, and Jacob Butterfield. Uh, there was a lot of youth in that team as well: Ben Gibson, Curtis Main, Luke Williams, and Jason Steele. Um, seems to be kind of a quite a mix of personalities there as well. How does that dressing room measure up to other dressing rooms you've been a part of uh, throughout your career? Um, yeah, good. It, you know, it was good. I've been I've been very fortunate actually um, to to find myself in in good dressing rooms throughout my career. Really, uh, you know, at Sunderland I had a good one, um, Middlesbrough, Stoke, you know, and and obviously ended up at Huddersfield. But you know, I think when you've got a a good blend and a good mix of of old and some older players, a bit of experience, and and the young young players who, who you know have no have no fear um, of of doing anything, and you know you just have to keep them in check now and again, and um, just kind of coax them through it, really. Um, going, going back on to, to Mowbray and his style of play, um, he was sacked in October of your first season, uh, replaced by Aitor Karanga. What would you say the, the differences were um, kind of in culture between the two, but also um, did you have a preference on which plane, uh, which style of plane, which system of plane? Um, to be honest, I wasn't, you know, Tony uh, Mowbray got sacked quite early when I got there and and to be honest, when I come back from when I signed there and come back um, because I had the the injury, no, I didn't come back in the best shape. Probably the worst I've ever come back uh, from a from a preseason uh, from a you know from an off season, and I didn't really hit the ground running. Um, so you know that that was a little bit disappointing. But you know, by the time I was starting to feel better and, and feel fitter and and get up to speed uh, and unfortunately lost his job and you know, I talk him in. 
Um, and how, how much of a, a, a difference was there between the, the two um, uh, working under both of them? Um, yeah, there was, there was obviously slight differences. Um, I think Tony likes to, likes to um, play from the back, very expansive, you know, attacking kind of style of play. Um, whereas Aitor was a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit more um, against the ball and a little bit more on the transition. Um, and both are fine. Both, both are absolutely fine. And, you know, it's their, it's their ways and, you know, both have been successful. But um, I just felt like I had a better, you know, relationship probably with, with Aitor um, being a senior player at the time and, you know, him taking over from, from Tony and um, kind of helping him a little bit along the, along the way as well. Um, you're one of the first players used in what's kind of became a tradition for the club of playing centre mids at uh, right back. I think before before you, I can only really remember Nicky Bailey playing there. Um, but but since then, so obviously you, Joseph Farger, Johnny Housen. Um, I mean, how do you find playing there? But also, out of all the positions, why do you think it's easiest to kind of convert centre midfielders to right backs in, in times of need? Um. Yeah, you, you do. You see it an awful lot. Um, I mean, if you can remember, probably Stephen Gerrard probably makes his debut for Liverpool right back. Um, I just think uh, as a midfield player, you know, when you're receiving the ball, you've always got people around you. So you always have to, you know, be on the half turn. You always have to check your shoulders. There's always somebody coming from some angle. And when you're playing right back, the, the whole picture, the whole game is in front of you. And, you know, it becomes, becomes very easy, actually, um, in possession, out of possession could be, you know, it's different when, when you've got a winger that stands wide, he's quick, he's direct. Yeah, then then I'm in trouble. Um, but in terms of in possession, found it quite easy. And uh, out of possession, it, it depends on the opposition, depends what um, type of winger uh, they have. But yeah, I found it, found it okay. Um. I mean, one of the games that you um, you played right back in ended up being the playoff final um, at the end of the 14-15 season and also ended up being final match for the club. Uh, firstly, from from a playing perspective, um, what do you think went wrong that day? Um, but secondly, were you frustrated leaving knowing that that was your last match? Um, I know sometimes during the league, it, it might be easier to kind of get back on the train field, put it right a, a week later or a few days later, but... Obviously, it's not the case at the end of the season. No, it's not. Um, what went wrong that day? Jeez, where do I start? Um, <laughs> disaster. Absolute disaster from probably 12 o'clock onwards. Disaster. We um, we obviously stayed at the, the Grove, which is, I think it's over an hour, maybe something like that, away from the ground and um, I'm sure all the staff done their due diligence in terms of getting police escorts and all that sort of stuff to the stadium, which you know is fine. Um, but when we get close, when when we get close to the ground, probably five, six, seven miles, complete standstill. Complete standstill. We can't go anywhere. So that people are going, like the, the players are, you know, keep looking at the watch and. You know, the manager's not happy. You know, 
He's telling the driver to try and do this, to try and do that. He can't. He can't move anywhere. Um, Leo's get gets out of the of, of the coach and tries to shuffle cars around and you know, but. <laughs> So police escorts are supposed to be able to get you through any kind of traffic, aren't they? Is that, is that not the way it works? <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but not this one. Um, this one it didn't, didn't do anything for us. And no, it was a disaster. We, we got in into the ground really late. Um, no time to go and have a look at the pitch, taking the surroundings, um, get, get get yourself familiar with, you know, what's, you know, what's about to happen. One of the biggest games in championship history, you know, 200 million or whatever it is to get into the Premier League. And we're struggling up, you know, struggling for time to, to get strappings, to get prepared, to get, you know, everything you need to do. Um, each individual's got different, different ways. They, they like to prepare for games. And, you know, we had a, you know, in, in a really, really short spell of time that we had to try and turn things around and, and get out and warm up, and you know it, it. It was all. It was all a bit of a bit of a disaster. And the first twenty minutes of the game, probably, probably, you know, maybe a knock-on effect. We can we can make excuses all we want, but um, you know, the, the first twenty minutes was probably justified from the last two hours, maybe. Um, but you know, it was disappointing. Disappointing day. Disappointing um, end to a season where. To be honest, we should have been in the top two anyway. We were we were one of the best two sides in 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 the league all season. Um, you know, we got ourselves we've only got ourselves to blame for that. And uh, you know, that being my that being my last game was you know probably one of the most disappointing, um, probably arguably the disappointment uh, of my career so far, really, or, or what my career was. Um, so yeah, so we so we travel we travel home. Um, as you can imagine, the the bus is dead silent, um, and I and and I, and I kind of knew what what was coming. Um, so we got off the bus, we get to Rockcliffe. Um, we get off the bus, and um, Ito pulls me into his office for a, for a chat, and you know I was experienced enough. I kind of knew what was what was coming. Um, and yeah, we had we had a chat, and you know, look, I just said, look, I want to the next, you know, next two or three years, however many years I have left in my career, I, you know, I need to play games. I, I can't, um, I can't not at, the, at this point. And you know, he can guarantee me that. And you know, we, I, you know, he said, look, that that's that's fine. Um, and we went our separate ways. And you know, I still speak to him now. He's a brilliant guy. Um, had a great relationship with him and you know it was difficult to take because you know it's such a disappointing day in general um just got worse but you know I went on to a to a club where I seemed to fall into you know a good good part of their their history it's just it's a bit of a shock that he, he told you on the exact day of the playoff final as well that you were no longer needed um <laughs> that must that must have been a real like sucker to like obviously for everything that yeah, happened you got, that you, day, you got, so. you got, yeah yeah you got you got to remember though when, when you're in the playoffs the, the season your your season gets yeah. extended a certain amount of weeks afterwards and and there is no time to say oh yeah okay I'll I'll meet you in a week's time that week time you you've probably most of the clubs have maybe finished 
maybe five, six weeks, even four, four, yeah. five weeks. And he gave me the best amount of time to find a new club, you know, before preseason started. So, you know, it, yes, it was, it was just another, you know, hammer on the, in the coffin really after, after a bad day. But, um, First of all, he first of all we lose. Then he brings me off at half time, and then he says, "Oh, don't, don't bother coming back." So that was great. But, <laughs> no, I, um, but yeah, no, he's he's, he's a he's a real um, football man, and someone I wish uh, the most successful. Did it not hurt then to see Borough get promoted the following season? Obviously, knowing that that was you know the playoff final was your last game, you, you were sort of close to the success in terms of the the timing. But obviously, you weren't a part of that play uh, the promotion season. So, did that hurt a little bit seeing Borough get promoted? No, people, a lot of people, a lot of people ask me this. No, it don't uh, because you know I was in that dressing room. You know, such a great set of lads. Um, you know, work work so hard and. And to have a second attempt of it, of it, and you know, eventually do it, and you know, it was great. Um, yes, I'd love to have been part of it, but you know, I had my my promotion the the following season with Huddersfield. But um, no, I just really pleased for the club um, getting promoted. Um, you know, a place where the club belongs, really. Yeah, and I know you mentioned Huddersfield there. Um, Chris Powell brought you in and then was sacked about five months later. And I looked. You have a habit of doing that, don't I? Yeah, I was sort of saying that. Yeah, <laughs> got a bit of habit. But I was having a look at the the fan opinion of it, and a lot of people seemed baffled. And I remember looking at the sort of um, the results around that time, and I wasn't thinking that was the type of form that would get a manager sacked. So, do you think it was fair that Chris Powell got sacked, or do you think it was a, a an unfair decision? Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me to to say whether it is unfair or not. Um, you know, managers managers come and go so quickly nowadays. Um, and arguably, looking at what happened afterwards, you arguably say it was the right decision, whether it was or wasn't at the time. Um, you know, we didn't start great, but we weren't weren't the worst. We we're probably about where Huddersfield probably should be. Um, and yeah, and then you know we had a you know completely completely new German coach um, who you know was brilliant um, for me in terms of a 34 year old I think I was at the time coming in with all these new ideas and you know it, I felt like I was 25 I was like a sponge and you know all this new German coach coming in new new idea, new philosophy, new, you know, new concepts, new, you know, all sorts of things was, um, you know, it was really, really, you know, intriguing and, and something that I'll take forward. Yeah, he managed to turn things around completely in his, his second season, Huddersfield obviously got into the playoffs. So what clicked under David Wagner then? What clicked? Um, quite a number of things, really. Um <clears throat> I think the, the pre-season that we that we had, you know, we got a letter through the post two days before um, we were due to go back, and it says it just said to us that we were going to Sweden for five days. So great, right? So we we, you know, we pack our stuff, we get to the airport, we meet in Sweden, um, we fly to Sweden, um, we get there, we we jump on a 
on a coach. And um, we get to this kind of look like a like a field with a big river, and and we we get there, we stop there, and and he says, right, the guy comes on who who, who was organising and taking it. Um, he says, right now, this is the time that we take all your phones away from you. So everybody had to hand in their phone. Nobody had their phone with them. Um, there was one phone for an SOS phone if anybody needed it. it you know, was in, in big trouble. And we had some new signings at the time. We had a few German players and you know a few a few few a few other players that you know were integrated into the squad. So you know, all of a sudden we've got no phones. You know what it's like nowadays. You think, oh, phone. What do you do? You have to talk to someone. Like, oh my god, I've got to talk to someone. Jesus Christ, what's going on here? So we have to. So automatically we have to. You know, we have to communicate with each other. We have to work together. Um, so we had to, so we get into twos, uh, one player and, and one new player, um, or, or somebody you don't often, you know, communicate with or talk or, you know, sometimes football clubs have little clicks, um, clicks around, uh, and then you get into twos, you, they chucked us a tent. Okay. All right. So we had to build a tent. Everyone had to build their own tent. Um, we sleep in that the night and. He said, right, pack your tents away. There was all there's there was canoes. And then said, right, off you go. You had to we had to get all the all the food supplies on the on the canoe. So we had to make sure we worked together as a team to try and you know move all this stuff. And it was six or seven hours probably rowing before we got to where we needed to get to. By this point, you know, the lads are knackered, they can't do anything, you know, their arms are killing them. Um, and then we had to put the tent up again. We had to get a fire going, we had to get the fire up and running we had to you know boil water from the get it from the from the lake that we were in um, and boil it if you wanted any anything to, anything to drink um, so yeah that that's kind of where it started um, we were there for five days and you know we were out on the canoes fishing and you know, working 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 together in groups to you know doing different tasks tasks and stuff and um, yeah so that that's where the you know, we had a really good team spirit after that. A really good group that we knew that um, if one player was was going in for a challenge or, or or going to press, we knew the other one would be behind him. Um, and then if that one got beat as well, we knew the third man would be there. You know, we had a real you know fighting spirit amongst us that um, you know it's almost as, as powerful as anything really. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because obviously Huddersfield are the only team to have gained promotion having finished their campaign with a negative goal difference. Um, and I just wanted to know whether, did you play on that underdog sort of tag? Because um, I'm not sure whether many people maybe thought Huddersfield were going to go up. They maybe wrote you off a bit, especially in the playoff final against Reading. So do you think that team spirit effectively is what got you up that season? I think it, it most certainly played a huge part. Yes, we had a lot of quality um, in our team, um, for sure, um, with a mix of experience and um, you know we had a nice blend in the squad. But you know we had we had a decent start to the you know, to the championship season. We, you know, we got to Christmas and we're still up there. And then you see on the TV all the time, oh, I just will drop away. That's you know they'll. they'll mm. They've had their little run. They'll they'll drop away after Christmas, no problem. February's there, we're still there. You know, March, April, still there. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we had a we had a group in you know in the changing room that were 
full of belief, full of confidence. Um, we didn't believe we were underdogs. You know, we, we, we believed that we were good enough. We're there for a reason. You know, over a certain amount of games, we're, we're in the top four, in the top two, in the top six. So, you know, um, yes, we, we might have only been winning games by 1-0, 2-1, you know, very, very small margins. But if you, I think if you have a look deeper into those games, we, we dominated a lot of those games um, from start to finish and um, didn't often get the goals. But, um, yeah, I think with quality, with togetherness, um, you know, and lots of hard, hard work from, from the players, the manager, the coaches, you know, we, we did it all together. I want to mention this just before we move on to the, the Premier League season. Um, Adam Clayton's first and only Borough goal, does that go down as uh, an assist for you? That goes down as my goal, not his. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking it. But uh, did he give you a bit, a bit of uh, stick? Yeah, I got, yeah, of course. Got some stick, of course, yeah. Well, he never, he, he doesn't even shoot, let alone score, does he? So, oh no, there was the following season. I don't know whether you've seen it, but um, Borough played Reading, it was a game in hand. Adam Clayton's shot must have been heading in Hartlepool or somewhere like that because, uh, thankfully, Albert Adorn managed to get his head on it, divert it back towards goal. But I've never seen a shot as, as wayward as that one. It, it essentially it was a great pre assist, but he, he never had a great shot on him, did Clayton? So, I think he did have a favor. Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he did in his early his, his early oh, career. Is yeah. he, he yeah. was signed as a goal scorer midfield, the one he technically like, yeah, like, and he and he quickly yeah. became uh, you know number six. That's what Borough does to goal scorer midfielders. Nicky Bailey again. Yeah. What, yeah. what Johnny That's, mentioned. Yeah, I was the same. I used to score for fun, but you know, yeah. I didn't stop scoring when I went to Borough. It must, be, it must be the Riverside Stadium, mustn't it? It must be cursed. I think for, just for every midfielder that comes to the club, you know, everyone everyone just stops scoring. Anyone that's capable of scoring a goal, it's just zapped from them. Grant, Grant so, scored some goals, didn't he? He did, yeah. He did. A lot from the penalty spot, mind. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I mean, like, Grant, Grant might be the, the the blip out of all of this, but um, the anomaly. The, the anomaly, yeah. He probably he probably is the anomaly. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a very cursed uh position at Borough. To be fair, most 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 positions are like strikers, centre mid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, no one likes goals at all. Think, uh, Borough. Just don't know. I don't know what it is. They're doing it right now. What are you whinging about? They're doing it right now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, complaining. Yeah, yeah. Not, not complaining. We are yeah, moving on to that that um, Premier League season. You were registered as a part of the, the 25 man squad, obviously, um, but you only played seven times that season. Four times coming in the Premier League. Um, you know, as a player that obviously is a part of the 25-man squad, what is it like not actually playing that many games that season? How did you sort of handle that? Yeah, I was I was absolutely fine because after the after the playoff final, you know, victory, uh, the, the day after we had a kind of a get together at, at, the, at the ground, and you know, I had a good chat with, with David at the time, and he wanted he asked me if if um, if I want to join his, his coaching staff. And I said, to be honest, boss, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready right now to, to hang my boots up. So, you know, I, I want one more year, then um, I think I'll be ready. Um, so, you know, he was great with me. So, you know, I signed an extra year and I understood my role. I knew I wasn't going to play a lot. But, you know, I played a big, big role in the in the changing room in terms of, you know, helping, helping the boss get, you know, whatever 
um, messages down to the players, whether that be directly or indirectly, um, you know, kind of showing some leadership in training um, as, as well as off the pitch. And, you know, it, it, I think when you come into this, this part of my career that I was in, you know, it's kind of really, really understanding what my role is. It, it's not, right, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be gutted if I don't play the next game, the next game. No, it wasn't that. It was, um, you know, making sure um, I trained properly, you know, led by example, um, both both on and off the pitch. And um, so, no, it, it didn't it didn't bother me, you know, at all. And um, just to be part of that, you know, special special team we had at the time, and um, yeah, it was great. You retired at the end of, of that season, 622 um, appearances throughout your entire career. Um, you obviously took up a, a coach role in Huddersfield after that. Um, so what was that transition like from playing on the pitch to coaching on the sidelines? Yeah, no, it, in terms of the transition um, from player to coach was, you know, was, was, was quite smooth, quite easy, really. Um, yes, I still miss playing of course um but you know i had a I had a year when i didn't play so much anyway so um i was kind of comfortable enough with it because i didn't have time to i didn't have two or three four or five months before i then transitioned into coaching it was you mm. know instantly um so you know it wasn't it wasn't too bad but you know from being inside the dressing room you know being one of the big bigger characters in the dressing room at that time. Now I was in a different colour kit. Now all of a sudden I'm not very popular. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, we had, a, like I said, we had, a, we had some great lads and, you know, anything you asked them to do, whether you were coaching them or, or whatever, you know, they would, they would do it. Um, so, yeah, it can, it can be uncomfortable sometimes when, you know, they're your mates one second and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm on the enemy side a little bit, but, you know, it's, uh, no, it was, it was all good and, um, you know, really, really enjoyed my, my coaching time there. Did you find the, like, the initial transition quite hard? I know you say it was, it was quite a smooth transition, but in terms of, like, the lads, obviously, it's changing from being the best pal on, on, as a player, player and then also moving to a, to a management role. Do you think, was that transition, like, a little bit difficult in terms of like relationships that you had with some of your mates. Yeah, sometimes you know you, you get to Friday nights uh, and the lads don't know the team, and all of a sudden I'm really popular. My phone, yeah, oh, what's the team up. tomorrow? In the squad, am I playing? You know, um, but you, you know you can't give you can't give anything away. You know you can't. You know this is this is the manager that um, that makes the decisions, and you know I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't to go, you know, behind him and, and, and say anything in terms of that. But yeah, it, it can do. But I mean, off, you know, outside of the club, our relationships with the players remained the same. Um, and uh, you know, it's just I was only in a different colour kit and just telling them to do this and that, and uh, that was the only difference really. Yeah, I mean, you could. St- there's no more pre-season for you, really. Now you could st- stand there. Oh, I was loving it. I was loving it. Oh, go on, lads. Come on. There's one more run. Two more runs. Come on. 
Yeah, I mean, no, start great. making the boats again. It would be lovely. <laughs> I mean, I must say the pre-season at Huddersfield is the most bizarre pre-season I think I've ever heard in my life. It's good, though. It's good for it's team a, building. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. just No, it really was. And and it's something that you know, people have asked me, would I would I do that, you know, when when one day I'll, I'm, I'm the head coach? And quite possibly, quite possibly, because, you know, it was really unique. You know, never never done anything like that before. Especially if you're getting getting your players in early in the in the in the summer, you've got players in early, and you know you can, because there's no point going if you've got the same group of players, you know, without any new signings. Yes, you can go in it, and it might be okay, but really, really important to integrate uh, new signings, and um, even even the manager and the coaches all all done exactly what we done, um, you know, mucking in on on everything. So. You know, it was it was one team, not you know individuals. Yeah, apart from like a bizarre preseason, is there anything that you're going to take with you into your management career from from the managers that you've worked with? Obviously, the likes of McCarthy, Pulis, Karanka, Wagner. Um, is there is there anything that you've took from them and implemented them implement them yourself? I think yeah, I think when you work with when you work with good good people, good managers. Um, you begin to take, you know, snippets from them, um, or what you what you value is, you know, can fit into, you know, my beliefs, my values, my my style, my culture, my environment. However, how, whatever it is, um, and you will take you will take bits from some and some more than than others, or you know, vice versa. Uh, so, and then you have to you have to put them together and build your own. Um, identity your own philosophy um on how you how you work as as a as a leader mm. you know when you're talking about leadership um i'm different to to roy Keane, to mick mccarthy to, to tony pulis you know so you know i have to i have to firstly understand what i am and who i am as a leader and how you know i can i can get the best out of a, of a group of players and um you know build build from there really yeah they say like have have strong goals but be flexible how you get there in terms of is that going to be replicated in like your management style so would your management style fluctuate depending on what group you choose to have in the future i think i think if if you have principles and you have values and you have um, a way of playing you know don't necessarily have to have to be right yeah i'm going to go with this formation, I think if you get the principles of how you want to play, you know, in possession, at whatever it is, um, you can play any system um, with with any bunch of players. But if firstly, I think you have to understand what what your squad looks like, um, how it could potentially fit into the way you know the way that I want to play. Um, and if that if that isn't the case, then you know, you have to you have to think on your feet. You have to adapt. You have to you know find solutions to to make it make it right. Would you say? I know it's very early in your career for for management. But would you say that you've you've thought of the style? What like the Dean Whitehead style is is the is it the Gen Press? Or are we going possession? Or are we going to go Tony Pulis long ball in the corner and try and get it in and around the box? Or <laughs> <laughs> have you have you thought about a particular style that you, would be ideal for you? Of course, of course, you know. Um... You know, I'm on my currently on my pro license now, um, and you know I've had a, you know, I've got my own 
my own way I want to work, my own principles, my own style. Um, and, uh, and obviously my, you know, my, the way I like, want to create a culture, want to create a, you know, high performance environment that, you know, that people enjoy, enjoy working in. And, um, hopefully in the future we'll, we'll find out how it works. Yeah, I'm sure you will. But in terms of your your playing career, you've had promotions, you've had you've had relegations, you've also played in Europe, you've you've done so much in in, in your career. What would you say your, your greatest achievement was uh, throughout the 622 games you've played? Uh, I mean, that itself's an achievement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I think my yeah, I think my greatest achievement probably would be. Being able to play and sustain a, a level of performance and stay in the, stay in the Premiership and, and and the Championship for you know pretty much the whole of my career really for however many years it was 18, 19 years or whatever it was I think I think the greatest achievement for me is you know staying at that level for so long. Um, and that's uh, something that you know I'm I'm very very obviously grateful of, but but proud. What was your yeah. highlight at, at Bora? Sorry, Johnny. What was your highlight at Bora? Would you say highlight at Bora? Mm-hmm. Probably the most disappointing part of my career, to be honest, um, because we had such a good team and we did and and we threw away promotion in the, in obviously my my last season in terms of the automatic promotion. Um, but I don't know. We we had a good day at, at Man City at the Etihad, where Tomo, um, mm-hmm. you know, ran right a little bit. Um, that was a good. That was a good day. Um, obviously, beating Brentford over two legs was, was good, but meant nothing. So, um, yeah, disappointing. Really disappointing um, overall. Have you still got uh, Stefan Jovetic in your back pocket from uh, Man City? Uh, yeah, I've got him. I've got Sergio. Right, I've got them. They're all in there. Don't worry. <laughs> Didn't uh, Lee, Lee Tomlin has uh, Vincent Company though, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he, yeah. Tom was pretty much unplayable that day. Um, yeah, incredible performance from him. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, like I would, I would love to be in the dressing room after that game. Just to like, did he ever show up about that turn? That, because he don't show up anyway. So that, <laughs> yeah. whether he's doing the turn or not, it don't matter. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have blamed him really if if it went in. Like it would have been one of the greatest goals I've ever seen live. But it, the fact that it didn't, like, it's just like one of those things. Every time I watch, it, I'm like, I just want it to go in. Just that, just that once, just that once, just to see what it would be like yeah. for a fan. But. Well, I'll I'll tell you what my yeah did did. I was going to say I'll tell you what my favourite part of uh, your Borough career was when you scored against Derby and then that um, the fan came on. You started celebrating with a fan. That was good. What the guy in the wheelchair? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do remember that. Actually, (laughs) Uh, you know, it's important that everybody enjoys enjoys. Scoring a goal, whether it's that's me and you know supporters and enjoy when it goes in, and you know it's important to, to celebrate together. And you know, hopefully that that made them happy that day. Yeah, it's it's a great moment. Like when you watch that back, I feel like you just don't know what to do with yourself at that, at that current time. Like oh, there's so many bizarre things that can happen. Score for so long. What 
what, yeah. what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> we jumped in the crowd. We did anything. I mean, I meant the reaction yeah. of it was like someone coming out the pitch. It would be mental. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always good to score, Dean. I mean, yeah. you didn't score. You didn't score many, but you did score some important ones, I guess. Yeah, I scored probably most of my goals were at, were at Sunderland. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, as as for a, a Middlesbrough fan, I could say that you're you're very welcome at Middlesbrough, and, and because not many Mackhams are, you know, there's not there's not many of them, and so yeah, probably not welcome in Sunderland to be honest. I mean, the last game I yeah. played, going back to Sunderland, by the way, where you know I had a decent decent five years. Great. Remember the last career. game against against Bolton? Um, I got booed every time I touched the ball. Every time I touched the ball throughout that whole game, I got I got booed. Obviously, you know the club wasn't going great at the time. wasn't wasn't the worst, um, but you know when you know when they don't want somebody there, they, you know they make their their selves heard. And um, I was the the target that day. And yeah. look, you have to have broad shoulders. You have to have a strong mentality. You have to, you know, you have to stand up and be strong or else you know clubs and, and big clubs you know come with big pressure and if you can't handle that you know you you fall down pretty quickly it's it's interesting that you, you say that because i feel like some of the fans i've spoke to have, have really forgotten that last day against Bolton. so you could oh, be never the, forget you, you can but i feel like you might be in the clear a little bit you know you might be able to show your face once or twice you know if, if the if the assistant role comes and comes knocking at sunland under lee johnson you never know mate you might have to go back they might be Borough manager next season. Yeah. Could be, yeah, could be Borough manager, Dean. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, we we have we do have a. Uh, Neil Warner did a fantastic job. Yeah, he, he is, but like he, he does say that his his age is his age is a main stumbling block. Oh, I've heard him say this many many years already. Why do you think he's going to stay on? Oh, stay on. It, you know, he's close to the playoffs in Middlesbrough. You're telling me he's going to stop? When you got you know football. People who've been in the game so long, they're obsessed with it. You know, they can't live without it, and I, I can't see it just yet. Just yet. Mm. No. Have you have you seen much of Millsborough this year? When, have you forgot that um, bits and bobs. I mean, we 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 played Middlesbrough early on at Shrewsbury in the yeah. in the the Carling Cup. You know, we played really well that night, and we did. Um, they you know they they scored important goals. Our keeper had a disaster that day. Uh, probably get a few, maybe two or three goals, but um, no, I've not seen loads of them. Um, see them against Huddersfield the other night that was on on TV. Um, but look, Neil Warnock's teams—they—they're effective. Uh, they yeah. win games, and they'll be in and around the playoffs for sure. Well, I, I like to think that I like to think so, and it's it's nice to hear from you that you you might think Warnock's going to stay for for another year, but. What what's next for you, Dino? What's what's next? You, is is there a coaching role that you you fancy, or you you just, you're just playing the winning game at the minute? There's, there's lots of things I fancy, but it's whether people fancy taking me. That's the thing. Yeah. No, but look, opportunities in it. You know, young coaches, young managers. Um, you look at you're looking for opportunities, and um, you know, I'm sure something will come up. Um, you know, in the in the near future. You know, I've had a bit of time to reflect on. On what went well and what, what didn't go so well at um, at Shrewsbury, and you know it's been a it's been a good time to you know take a little bit of a backseat and, and understand yeah. you know what what you what you're good at and what what needs improvement. 
Yeah, do you think it's going to be a head coach role or are you going to go for an assistant again? Um, I think I think ultimately, you know, my end goal is, you know, I want to be a head coach manager, however, you know, however the club club works. But, you know, in the meantime, I understand I need experience. I need, you know, you need time um, at a club to spend and learn new things, make mistakes. But, you know, ultimately I, um, I want to be a head coach, but, Know, any any kind of coaching role at the moment is, is perfect for me. Okay, so so final question um, out of your 19 year <laughs> career, um, you've played with a lot of players um, in that time. But if I could give you say a five a side team to choose from, you can have a couple of subs as well, and you can you can pick a coach at the end. Um, what would be uh, the Dean Dean Whitehead <laughs> five a side team? And what would you call yourself as well? I think that's a great question. You could pick a five-a-side team then. Oh, you're just chucking that on me now. <laughs> what would I call it? Uh, go, on, go on, you can you can pick your five-a-side team and then your subs and then I'll right. let you off with I'll let you off with the name. Um, goalkeeper. Um, think goalkeeper, goalkeeper. That's a yeah, decent goalkeepers at, at, at Sunderland. Um, Craig Gordon, obviously, I think he was the record signing for a goalkeeper at the time. Nine million, you know, a lot of money. Um, as but I think I'll I'll go for a, a a keeper that was on loan at Borough when when I was there. Um, you know, really stabilised us as a team in terms of clean sheet. We were conceding too many goals, and you know, his communication, his organisation skills, uh, and his leadership was you know was was very very good. And on top of being a top top keeper, so Shea Given will be in goal. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Um, two defenders. Um, I'm gonna have to go with one of my pals, um, big German, no nonsense, edit, kick it, um, attack set play, score goals. Brilliant guy off the pitch. Um, a winner, you know, he's won the Premier League now. Um, so I'll stick the big German, Robert Ufer, uh, in, in, at the back. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with a ball playing centre back because Ufi's not the best on, on the ball. <laughs> so I'm going to stick him in with um, someone again on loan at Sunderland from Man United, um, who's you know who's gone on and had a um, you know, brilliant career again um, when he came in at. Uh, to Sunderland, you know, he really, you know, really at the ground running straight away as a young player. So um, Johnny Evans will go alongside Hoofy at the back. Uh, midfield, I'm going to go we'll probably see what you. Do you pick yourself? You <laughs> no, not good enough. Okay. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. No. Hey, you never, you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Yeah, you've got to ask. No. Um, so the first one, um, you know, a player that. Um, Tony Pulis got the best out of Um, he was very you know influential for for our team when you know when I was there Uh, provided so many assists provided uh, so much of our attack in play so Matty Ev will go Matty Everington will go in midfield I'm not sure kind of how my midfield kind of sets up, but let's not worry about that. 
<laughs> the next one, I think, is a player that is um, so underrated. And I think if this player had maybe a yard or two extra pace, he would probably be playing, you know, at least top end of the Premier League, top six, you know, pushing on. Um, I think he's in. Ch- I think he's in China now. Um, so Aaron Moy will be um, in midfield. What a player! Um, mm. The season he had when you know when we when we got promoted and in and in the first season of the Premier League was, you know, was was phenomenal. Technical ability, the way he protects the ball, the way he you know, controls the tempo of games, um, and the centre forward would be the um, be the robot. <laughs> Big crouchy up top. Crouchy. Yeah, I think you know we we yeah we had we had so many good times you know playing in Europe and, and reaching FA Cups and I remember his goal against Man City the one that the long ball flick on from Jermaine Pennant didn't even know he could head the ball and then Crouchy bangs in a you know a looping volley over Joe Hart and, and the crowd goes you know, goes mental so you know technically. You know, for a six foot seven player, it was you know, his technique was a joke. Um, you know, top top level. Um, yeah, so 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 basically, that that's a team where you know they might not be necessarily be the most high profile ones that I've played. You know, I played with York, I played with Owen, I've played with you know Ida Good Johnson, Johnny Woodgate, but I, I picked that on on how you know I felt they had influenced the team when, you know, when I was at that particular club. Um, and on the bench, I had Nzonzi and Steve Malbronk. If that, um... Steve Malbronk, wow, that's a massive throwback. That is a huge throwback. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that proves probably how old I'm, so... Let's not say anything, Dino, not say anything. Not say anything, but it's a good team that you know, Dino. I'm not, I'm not mad mm-hmm. at that. I think it's a very scary defense, though. I think Robert Hooth and obviously with Crouchy as well, you, you're definitely playing with height. Um, yeah, we've got a bit of height, we've got a bit of technical ability, we've got you know, a bit of flair, you know, it's a bit of, bit of everything. Yeah, do you, you throw yourself in as a coach if you're not? Yeah, uh, oh, I'm the manager, yeah, 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 I'm the manager. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. That was gonna be the, that was gonna be the last question of uh, if if you could pick the manager that would you pick, but I'm assuming it's yourself and the Dean, the Dean or five. Uh, we'll probably uh, we'll come with goals sent near you probably. Well, <laughs> I hope so. Huh? Yeah, I hope so. But Dean, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us. I, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was really insightful and it gave us a good indicator of, of your career. And I, I hope you go on to have a long managerial career as well. And I'm sure that you'll be successful with the the way that you've played as a career and how professional you've been and you've been told as a leader, especially by Johnny Hogg as well. Uh, Hogg was very, was singing your praises when I watched a few videos of him. So I don't know how much you slipped in uh, to, uh, <laughs> to for him to say a few of those words. But yeah, mate, all, all the best for your management career. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, uh, as always, guys, if you like this podcast, um, do give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate that. And it also helps us get found by other Borough fans, but also, in this case, Huddersfield fans, Leeds, uh, not Leeds fans, Sunderland fans, um, and Oxford fans as well. And, uh, but, Dino, thank you very much for joining us. This has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh!
coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 